In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you've got a Bible, hopefully you've got a Bible open, please do that. If you don't have a paper Bible, download or open a digital Bible. They're, well, some people say they're just as good. I don't think so, but some people say they're just as good. And we're going to go to the Word of God this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want to talk to you on the subject of pastors and people. Pastors and and people. Now, I know that it's Mother's Day, and you think, you're surely going to give us a good Mother's Day sermon, and I don't do that, and I, I'll tell you why, because the church is our mother, and the church is a mess at the same time, so if you've ever had a problematic mother, you'll be right at home at the church, amen? And the reason why I know that is because God has chosen to use the church to bring to new birth every person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ. The church is our mother, and that's not my idea. A third century bishop named St. Cyprian said it. He said the following words, no one can have God as their father without the church as their mother. John Calvin also echoed the same thought. The title mother underlines how essential it is to know about the visible church. There is no other way of entering into life unless we are conceived in her womb, brought to birth, and then given her milk. The church births us, the church feeds us, the church grows us as new saints, new creations in Christ Jesus. You're born physically, but when you get born again spiritually, you enter into a new family. So I think that this message is coming together nicely, this whole text and Content is coming together in three ways. It's Mother's Day, the church is our mother, and the church is made up of pastors and people. Somebody say pastors and people. And it's also really big things Sunday, and we're gonna see and believe that God is gonna birth some really big things in our church today. Four years ago in August, I stood up before you, and I announced that we were gonna do three big things. Back then it was just big things. So this year, we've upped the ante to really big things. But back then, I don't know if you remember, four years ago, we said the big things were a location in Fall River, a location in Guatemala, Florida, and a location in Guatemala. And that was my order. That was the order that I wanted to get them done in. And God did it in the exact opposite order. But they all got done. I want to remind you, that when we announced it, when I announced it, it was in August 2019, we didn't have location pastors, we didn't have money, <laughs> we didn't have buildings, we didn't have nothing. And here we are four years later, and those locations are not just alive, they are thriving. And they are growing, and disciples are being made, and baptisms are happening. God provides. How many know that God operates when we act in faith? Some of you got to realize that. You can't sit back in the church. you got to step out in faith and do some crazy things and announce to some people that you're doing some crazy things so that they can hold you accountable when you don't do your crazy things. So I give you permission today to hold me accountable to make sure that we get these things done. What are they? You're going to have to wait till the end. Oh, I know. I know. I'm so terrible. Shame, shame. Okay, let's get into the text. Stand with me. 1 Thessalonians 5. Two verses. Two verses today, and then next week we will close out this study in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Verse 12 and 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord 
and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. He's talking about pastors and leaders and elders there. Be at peace among yourselves. And this is God's word. Let's pray together at all of our locations. Father, thank you for the chance to hear your word. May our ears be open and our hearts receptive and our minds renewed in the wisdom that comes from your mouth. May every word of my mouth be what you want it to be and keep me from saying anything you don't want me to say and help us as we always pray to see Jesus. In his mighty name we pray and everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat in the presence of the Lord. What a transition Paul makes here in verse 12, because if you have a Bible open, and this is why I tell you to help open your Bible. If you have a Bible open, you can either scroll up or just, you know, um, follow your finger up above verse 12. What was he talking about just before verse 12? He's talking about the coming of the Lord. He's talking about the day of the Lord. He's talking about the tribulation. He's talking about the end of the world. I heard from someone who was a mother in the message last week. They brought their young teen into the message, and, and the young teen was distraught on the way home from church. That's always a blessing to my life when I know I've upset a child. I'm so sorry about that. But they were floored with the fact that the world is going to end. They said, Mom, you're telling me the world's going to end? And, and the answer is yes, but good news for people who belong to Jesus is going to be nothing but good. It's going to be good, good for us when Jesus comes again, Right? But what a transition that Paul makes to say, okay, wait a second. I know that's true about the coming of the Lord, but there's some things we gotta do until he gets here. So as much as they might be in the sky reading about the coming of the Lord in their minds, Paul puts their feet back on the ground. And how, have, how many have ever heard the phrase, you can be so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good? Well, here's another phrase. You can be so end times oriented, you're no this time good. And you can't do that as a Christian. You gotta be ready for what God is gonna to do today. There's still souls to be won today. There's still churches to plant today. There's still kingdom to build today. There's still a purpose in your life today. There's still a neighbor for you to love in the name of Jesus today. How are you gonna get there? You gotta be strong, you gotta be healthy. And this is why God gives you pastors. Pastors and people, that's what a church is made up of. And uh, today marks a special day for me. It is May 14th, 2023. May 14th, 1998, 25 years ago, I started working for Waters Church. This is my 25th anniversary, I can't believe it. Never thought I'd make it this far. Some days I wanted to quit. Some days I was on cloud nine, and there was a lot of days in between. God bless the middle. And I remember the day, really, it's like one of those transition moments you can't forget. Graduated college May 8th, 1998, packed all of my earthly belongings into a 1986 Chevy Nova with a dented fender, drove six hours north to Norwood, Massachusetts to take on the youth ministry position up at our Norwood, what is now our Norwood Church, and never thought that I'd be planting churches, had a heart for planting churches, but God gave me a youth ministry position because nobody's gonna hire a 21-year-old youth pastor, I mean, a, a church planter. And so I wanted to plant churches, God gave me youth ministry. How many know that God gives you some things that you don't want to test your heart before you get what you do want? And I know why God does that. And here's what some of you need to hear, because you're in a position you don't want you got a dream and a vision and a passion for something else. Here's why God puts you where you don't want, to test your heart, to make sure you're not serving what you want to do. You're serving him no matter what you do. 
Because if you can serve him no matter what you do, then he, can know, then he knows that he, you can be faithful with what you want to do. That's, where, that's what God had to teach me. And I showed up, and I remember I was scared out of my mind. I had never taken spiritual care for anybody except myself. And I showed up in front of 12 kids, 12 snot-nosed New England teenagers who didn't like me, and frankly, I didn't like them either. And I was bitter that this was all God could open up for my life. And so I just said, you know what? I'm just going to do the best that I can. I wanted to quit three weeks in. My parents said, you're not allowed to move back home, so figure it out. So I stuck, stuck it out. 25 years later, here I am. I'm here because my parents said no. Amen, somebody. Some of you got That's your word. That's your word for Mother's Day 2023 right there. Say no to your, your children sometimes. It might bless a bunch of other people someday. Anyway... Six years later, four years later, really, I was starting, we started this church. Pastor Geyser asked me, what do I want to do, stay in youth ministry or plant this church with, the, with the, the Norwood people? I said, I want to go to that church. That's what's in my heart. God opened the doors. I had no idea that was going to happen, but that's the goodness of God. You don't have to know what's going to happen. God knows what's going to happen. Be faithful with where you are. And I'm a pastor, and I've been a pastor for, in some measure, in shape, or form for 25 years. I know a thing about this. And I've raised up pastors. I love the pastors that we have on staff. How many of you at all locations? You love your location pastors, every location. Give a hand for your location pastors. We're so thankful for them. How many of you love our executive pastor, Shane Parsons, over here on the front row? Chris, our discipleship pastor here on the front row. Jody, out in the kids' ministry right now, Pastor Jody. These are our pastors, but, but there's three terms in the New Testament for pastors. I want you to write them down, and we're going to give them to you here on your notes. Poimon, episkopos, and um, presbyteros. By the way, these are all, <laughs> some of them, except for poimon, two of them, are the names of denominations. This is what churches do. They take Greek words, and they make them denominations. The church is supposed to be one, but we have a hard time with that, so we create different denominations, and then we name them after different, uh, different Greek terms. So two of those terms are Episcopos and Presbyteros, Episcopalian church and Presbyterian church. That's where those terms come from. The first term, though, is poimon. It means shepherd and pastor, which indicates what you need. All these terms indicate what you need. So listen, God gives you a shepherd because you are sheep, and you're going to find out about this a little bit later. Sheep are stupid. Now, now, don't get offended because I'm also a sheep. I'm a sheep and a shepherd. In fact, I'm somewhere between sheep and shepherd. I'm more like a sheep dog. <laughs> so we, have, we make foolish mistakes, okay? That's what I mean by that. You're not stupid, but you make stupid decisions sometimes. Anybody with me on that? Am I preaching to anybody who's ever made a stupid decision? Okay, so God gives you shepherds. Number two, God gives you overseers. Here's what that means, episcopos. That means that you need somebody to see your life from a wider angle of view. We get blinders on, especially when it comes to the church and Jesus. This is how, and, and everybody does this, so don't hate yourself for this, but everybody does Christianity with blinders on. What I mean by that is you only see this very narrow perspective of what you need, where you are, who's, who's hurting you, who hasn't ministered to you, what are your issues, what are you going through, and I get it. And I understand because your, your, your issues are your personal challenges and nobody's really wrestling with you about that. But what you need is you need pastors and overseers who will see the forest for the trees, who will see the bigger picture, and who will remind you on a regular basis, hey, it's not all about you. Amen. See, you didn't say amen loudly right there. Do you know why? Blinders. 
You need somebody to come alongside and say, there are other people who need, other people are wrestling, other people, and the pastor sometimes has to do things in the church that you don't understand. Man, he has to make changes. He has to preach sermons that you don't want preached, but somebody else does. Sometimes you come to church, God's not talking straight to you. He's talking to you for you five years from now, but the person sitting next to you, God's talking to them for that moment. Overseers who see the whole picture, amen, somebody. Then presbyteros, these are elders. Elders, shepherds, and overseers. I want you to know that sometimes we need someone who's an elder. That means that somebody who's older in the faith and has a resume of faithfulness, listen, to one church. I say that because I always get these older guys who come from other churches and suddenly want to be elders, and I'm like, wait, where's your skin in the game? And why did you leave your last church? And why did you go from church to church to church to church looking for a position? Do you care about the people or do you care about the position? See, this is what I wrestle with. You're going to get a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at what we go through, okay? This is going to help us. I believe is going to be healthy for you, too. So you need somebody who's been through the mud and the muck and the mire of life and has been faithful to one local body for a long period of time and they've grown and they've got growth to help you. You need an older brother who cares about younger brothers. That's who Jesus was, by the way. Remember the older brother in the prodigal son story? He was mad when the prodigal came home and Jesus says, I'm the true older brother. I don't get mad when the prodigals come home. I throw a party with the father because that's who I came to seek and to save, the younger brothers who couldn't get their together so you need that you need people who see life from a different perspective you need people who will guide you from stupid mistakes and you need the older brothers who can lead you forward in Christ now there's a high calling and there's a high expectation on pastors and leaders let's read about it in first Timothy I think it's on your notes there first Timothy 3 says therefore an overseer must be above reproach that means that means that a pastor and an elder and overseer cannot have a lot of accusations flying at them they got to be above reproach. Then he says, the husband of one wife. Let me give you the Greek definite, the Greek term. It, this is a bad translation in your English. The Greek language is literally a one-woman man. He can't be sniping the ladies. <laughs> he can't be flirting. He can't be meeting privately with women alone. That's a powder keg waiting to explode. I don't respond to ladies' emails. I don't respond to ladies' social media posts. I don't respond to ladies' Uh, in private, anything, nothing, okay? You've got to understand that. My social media, by the way, is run by five other people. They see every message that you send me, and sometimes I don't even see the message. They respond before I have a chance to see it. And that is for my, my protection, and that is for your protection. I think about how much you trust me and the elders and the pastors of this church. And if I fail you on that, your faith is at stake. So understand that, ladies. I'm not being rude. And I don't even know if any of you have tried to contact me. But if you have, that's why I don't respond. So you say, well, how do I get a hold of you? You don't. <laughs> you don't. You go to your uh, small group leader. That's why you go to life group. Or, and then if they need help, they'll go to one of our elders and their wives. And they'll work that deal out. Okay, understand? Protection. Guiding you. Guarding me. Then he has to be... Sober-minded, that means he's got to think right. Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, not, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And then verse 4, he must manage his household well, 
keeping his children submissive. If you can't manage your house, how can you manage God's house? By the way, what does that teach you about God's house? What, what would we call the household of the pastor? His what? Family. So what is the church? Family. We're brothers and sisters. Remember that for later. He says, verse six, he must not be a recent convert. He'll become puffed up and filled with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. The devil's sin was pride. He wanted more. He wanted power. He wanted glory. A pastor cannot seek those things. Okay, if I get important in your eyes, well, that's just because the church has grown, but here's what I am. I'm a nobody telling everybody about somebody. Okay? Verse seven, moreover, he must be thought well of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and into a snare of the devil. Let me just go back. I forgot to mention this. Poimon, Episcopos, and Presbyteros, those three terms, they're all interchangeable. I know that some denominations and some churches have like low-level unpaid elders, then pastors are above them, and then bishops are up here. That's a man-made hierarchy. In the New Testament, those three terms are all interchangeable. So an es- a bishop is a pastor, is an elder. An elder is a bishop, and overseer. Got it? They're all the same. Just different terms to give you different ideas of what they're about. So based on all of this, in this text from these two verses in 1 Thessalonians, where Paul says, okay, that's the end times. Now let's talk about this time. How do you get strong? How do you stay strong for when Jesus comes again? What's going to keep your feet on the ground and keep your mind focused on what you need to be focused on? Here's what it is. Pastors. Elders. And let me just say something to everybody watching on, online. If you don't have a pastor, you don't have a church. I know you think that you can do church, like, you know, listening to Hillsong music and then listening to podcasts of your favorite preachers. That is a very unaccountable way of following Christ. It's also a very unhealthy way of following Christ. You've, you've isolated yourself. You need family. You need brothers and sisters. You need somebody to see somebody. You, you need somebody to see you from the outside. Yeah? You need, and this is why God gives you a spouse so that they can see you from the outside. And that's why there's conflict because you see yourself from the inside, they see you from the outside and what they see sometimes is what you don't see and that's why you fight. And by the way, it's good to listen to your spouse. It's good for husbands to listen to their wives and wives to listen to their husbands. Amen, somebody. My wife is telling me a lot about me all the time. Sometimes too much, but it's Mother's Day and I won't go there but I need her to tell me some things, and I need to tell her some things. I think that we actually sway to the opposite end of the spectrum. In modern America, we think that it's the wife's job to direct the family, that's not true. The husband's job to lead and feed his family and be a spiritual leader for his children and his wife. And yes, husbands, you need to speak up because Adam's sin originally was not eating the fruit, it was not speaking up. Here he was, his wife was speaking to a talking snake and he's sitting there saying, it's cool. Maybe she likes snakes. Who am I to interrupt? And then she hands him the fruit and all hell breaks loose, okay? He should have spoken up and said, snake, shut it, zip it. That's my wife, okay? So what do pastors do? They do what Adam failed to do and what Jesus fully did. So let's talk about my, our responsibilities as elders, pastors, and overseers, and then we'll talk about yours. I got six points. Three are my job, three are your job. Ready? Number one, leaders in the church work among the people, write it down. Leaders in the church work or labor among the people. But now believe it or not, <laughs> this job is a lot of work. There's this false image, this false idea that this job is easy peasy. And I've seen this happen. Pa- 
men in the, in the body of Christ will say, wow, look at that guy up on stage on Sunday. He works one day a week. I think I'll do that. So they quit their job and they try to go into ministry and they are a disaster because this is work. Um, you know that I work hard. Here's, I know you know this, but I do work hard. I do not get up here and wing it. I have prayers invested into every message, thoughts, study, invest. I want to, my job has to be, I have got to tell you what the word says and not what I think. And that is a wrestling match every single week. <laughs> it's a wrestling event. And I tell this to pastors who I train to preach. I say, get ready when you, train, when you prepare a message. You're going to think you have it. And then come Wednesday, your brain is going to have a collapse. And you're going to freak out and not know what to say on Sunday. And I say, when you get to that point, that's the way of the Holy Spirit breaking you free of what you want to say so that God can give you what he wants to say. That's a good place to be. But wrestling matches go into everything I produce from this stage or from my YouTube channel. You guys know I started that several years ago, youtube.com slash Tim Hatch Live. Like and subscribe, okay? That's for your health and your benefit. That's for you to grow in Christ outside of this moment. And that's my work. Now, the other pastors along with me work and labor. And so Paul says in verse 12, he says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor, circle labor, in the text, they labor among you. They walk with you. They do life with you. They're there for you. Verse, he's, uh, Paul's already talked about this in 1 Thessalonians 2.9. He says, you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We worked night and day. It's work to bring the gospel to people. It's work to deal with people's spiritual development. Think about this, okay? How many could say it's hard to work on your own personal spiritual development? Now think about doing that for a bunch of other people. <laughs> okay, if it's tough for you to manage your spiritual life, imagine man managing other people's spiritual life. And it's war. Paul says we wrestle, we fight, we wrestle against the spiritual forces. There are devils coming after you every single day. We gotta fight them off. We pray for you. We get on our knees. Our elders' meetings are about an hour and a half, and we just pray. That's all we do. We pray for the people. Because we gotta do battle in the spiritual realm if we're gonna see victory in the physical realm. So know that, you're never alone. Your pastors and elders are praying for you. First Thessalonians 3, 2, he says, we sent Timothy, our brother, God's co-workers in the gospel, to establish you in the faith, our co-worker. He's a worker. First Timothy 4, 10, to this end we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God who's the savior of all people. So we work, and that's what pastors do. And I thought about this. You gotta realize, a pastor is like a policeman in the spiritual realm. He's like a doctor in the spiritual realm. And think about when, when do you see a doctor and when do you see a policeman? when you're in trouble. Nobody shows up at their doctor to say, just letting you know the liver's doing great. No one does that. And very rarely, it should be more often, does anyone say to a police officer, thank you for doing your job well. I, if you're like me, you only see the policeman when you've broken the law. <laughs> what law are you breaking? Speed limit, that's the only one. Okay, oh, and some parking issues. But anyway. <laughs> and that's the only time I see a policeman. <laughs> and you know what? I've learned that even when he gives me a ticket, I say, I love you and I respect your job. Thank you, police officer. Okay, and we need to do that. But anyway, um, you see these people when things are going terribly. Same is true for pastors. Our elders and our leaders, that's what they do. Know this. They deal with the divorce 
issue or the, or the marriage that just suffered infidelity. I have been in the room when the man had to confess to the wife. It's hell. It drains you. I've been in the funeral parlor with the child who OD'd. It drains you. It's painful. That's when we're called on, but that's what we're here to do. That's our work. And understand that we take it very seriously, soberly, and we do the best that we can for your good. And I thank God for our elders who meet with you privately. I don't do so many meetings privately anymore. I do that because we have a large, I don't do that because we have a large church with other elders and pastors. Thank God for our elders. Can we give a hand for all of our elders? Amen. And in Apollo Beach, next week in Apollo Beach, we are installing four godly men into eldership. We're so excited about that. Next week. That's what pastors do. So number two, leaders in the church take charge of the people. Now I really wrestled with the verb in this point because I don't want you to freak out about the term take charge. We aren't here to control your life. That's not what it means. Think of this in a corporate setting. We're here to take charge of the corporate community, the spiritual life of the church. That's what we do. We direct it, spiritually speaking. Three priorities for our church, by the way. Uh, well, before we get to those three priorities, and these aren't in your notes. You're not, you can write them down on the margins if you want to. He says, respect those who labor among you and are over you. That's the verse, verse 12. And are over you. Circle or underline are over you. In the Lord. So the authority comes from the Lord, not from man. Okay, let me go here first. Because when I first started as a youth minister 25 years ago today, I remember the next weekend that I was supposed to do youth ministry and stand before those 12 kids and preach the word to them, I had a panic attack. And anybody who just graduated from college, I've been there. And you don't know what you're going to do. My son was filling out a, a form for college application and the questions, and he got bothered by the questions. He said, Dad, these questions are ridiculous. I said, wait till you graduate college and nobody even hands you the questions. So I didn't know what to do. I was scared out of my mind. There was no one to look to. I was all alone in my office and I freaked out and I said, God, how can I tell these kids? I have no way to do that. I am not equipped. And I did this with my Bible. I don't recommend this, but only emergency only. I did this. Okay, <laughs> that's pulling the fire alarm, okay? Don't do that for your daily devotions, all right? But I did that. My eyes fell on Galatians chapter 1-1. This was a God-ordained moment, and it says this. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. And the Holy Spirit spoke into my life, and he said, don't worry about what they say. You worry about what I've said. And it gave me confidence to get up there in front of those kids and preach the word. So the authority comes from the word, the Lord. So anyway, three priorities for our church. You can write these in the margins. There's no blanks. But we're going to be a praying church. Our pastors and elders pray for you. That's an hour before first Tuesday, by the way. We pray for our church and for our month. We pray before every service at every location. You don't even realize this. Some of you don't even realize this. Before the services start at every location, there's a half an hour of prayer with the team for you, for the church. We're going to be a praying church. We have prayer at the altar at the end of every service. Some of you listen to me very carefully at the end of every service. You've got uh, health issues, mental issues, and spiritual issues, and you're going to leave the church, and on Monday you've got an appointment with the doctor. How about you first meet with the great physician before you meet with the earthly physician? 
come down and pray and ask God to heal your marriage, heal your body, heal your mind. We're gonna be a praying church because we believe God heals. Take advantage of that, man. That's for you. Um, so we're gonna be a praying church. We're gonna be a preaching church. We're gonna preach about Jesus. I'm gonna open this book every single time we gather. We're gonna stand for the reading of God's word every time we gather. Why? Because we are not hearing my thoughts. We're hearing God's thoughts. And sometimes God's thoughts con conflict with the earth's thoughts. Amen, somebody. And sometimes your neighbor who you invited on Sunday is gonna get turned off by what I say. So please don't try to ask us, when's a good Sunday for me to bring my neighbor? I'm getting that question now. John, maybe I'm getting a little bit too, I don't know, on the edge. I don't know. But I'm getting that question now where people are like, Pastor, what Sunday won't you offend people? Because I want to bring a friend. Here's the answer. No Sunday. Someone's getting offended every week. Okay? Sometimes, too, it's good for someone to get smacked upside the head. Look at what the universities have done with our t children. Look what they've done. They've, they've, they've created safe spaces so that the kiddies can't hear anything that they don't want to hear. And we have an entire generation who can't cope with life. Sometimes you need to hear something you don't want to hear. And I am so glad for the people. Oh, these are the people. I, I am so glad for you. You keep coming back even though I offend you on a regular basis. You are my favorite people. Oh, my word. You're either a glutton for punishment or you know you're really messed up and I'm here to change you in Jesus' name. I'm way off topic. A preaching church and then a praising church. We're gonna sing songs that glorify Jesus. So praying, preaching, praising. And it's all about Jesus. And pastors, and this is what I do with our worship team all the time, worship leaders, we filter songs out on a regular basis that are more about us than about Jesus. How many know you can listen to some Jesus make out music? There's a concert here tonight. I don't know if that's gonna be the case. They might be doing some Jesus make out music. I don't know. Where you can basically take the words of a Christian song and put it on the radio, the secular radio, and people don't even know it's a Christian song. Yeah, that's not, that's not worship. It's fine if you wanna entertain people with that, but it's not worship. Worship is when we talk about the cross, the blood, the wrath of God that he has saved us from through Jesus Christ. When we talk about the glory of Jesus, the glory of God, that's worship. So that's what pastors do. They, are, they take charge of the spiritual life of the church. Number three, leaders instruct and warn the people. Write that down. Leaders instruct. Now this is what that means. We tell you where to go and what to do. <laughs> we tell you what not to do. We warn. Let's look at the passage again, verse 12. Respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish. Circle the word admonish. Our job is to admonish you. Now some of you take the word admonish meaning that uh, that means that we're here to just kind of like Build you up with encouraging words. That's not what the word means at all. Now that we should encourage you, absolutely. But the word admonish in the Greek is nutheteo, nutheteo. And it refers to warning someone, warning someone about the disastrous consequences of his or her actions. A pastor is there, a leader, an elder is there to warn you about the disastrous consequences of your actions. Because you cannot sometimes see the future of your folly. Uh, let, me, let me give you another verse of scripture. We're gonna jump ahead here to Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is what? The way to death. 
Some of you got to realize that there are some, some things that God, take that down, take that down, take that down. Okay, the, sometimes you got to realize that there are, there are some things that you think are right for you that aren't right for you. You think it's a good path, so you're dating the non-believer. Pastor says no, but it's not the pastor's idea, it's God's idea. God says no. You say, I don't care. And then five years later, you got three kids with a husband that doesn't want to go to church, and you're miserable. And wait until you grow up, and those kids grow up, and they're confused about their faith, and most often, they walk away from the Lord. Most often. And then they repeat your same mistakes. I know a family, the wife married a non-believer, raised two non-believers. It was the pain of her life. Those non-believers married non-believers. You gotta think long-term about your life. This world wants you thinking instantaneously. But you gotta think long-term. God has a long, wide-angle, long-term view for you. And sometimes you need a pastor to say, don't do it. You're gonna wreck your life. Well, I don't, I don't like, you know, some people say, who are you, this is all, who are you to tell me what to do? What an attitude. Let me show you a passage of scripture. We all love the first part of this passage, Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, oh, I love that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Finish the verse. The rest of the verse is, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So fools say, who are you to tell me about how I should live my life? You're a fool. The person saying, listen to instruction, listen to wisdom. Not my ideas, God's ideas. I have no right to tell you my ideas. I have to tell you God's ideas. So here's why that matters too. Now we can put this video up. I ran across this video of a sheep getting stuck into a ditch. And this is hilarious because the Bible calls you sheep. Now think about this. Here it is. The shepherd is rescuing the sheep, pulling them out of the ditch. Come on out. I'm here to save you. Come on out. Oh, thank you, pastor. Thank you. Free at last. Free at last. Yeah. Now, lest you think that that's a singular event, let me put up another video of you for you. Let's go to the second video. Here he is, a different shepherd pulling up another sheep. Come on out. I'm here to save you from that wreck. I'm here to say, thank you, pastor. Thank you, pastor. Oh, I love Jesus this week. I love you. Free at last. Free at last. Oh, yes. How many of you, I just described your spiritual life right there. I just described your Monday through Saturday. That was you this past week. Okay, no, that's, your, that's our job as pastors. What do we do? We work, we take charge, and we warn and instruct. Here's your job. Number four, we re, the people respect spiritual leaders. Write that down. The people, number four, the people respect, spiritual, respect the spiritual leaders. Now, the word in, in the Greek here for, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, respect those who labor among you, it's the word for the Greek word for to know in the sense of to know their worth. Know that they're valuable. You might not like everything about them. I don't expect you to like our elders. I really don't care if you like them. I want you to respect them. I want you to know that they're valuable. Some of you don't like elders because their personality is different than you. Sometimes as Christians we do that, by the way. 
We don't like people and we think it's because they're not good enough as Christians. No, it's just a personality difference. That's it. Don't make personality issues spiritual issues. Amen? I get it that we're not, and I'm not the pastor for everybody. That's why we get other pastors. That's why I let other preachers preach to you. That's why I got other leaders. Because I'm, I'm not everybody's flavor. I'm assuming I'm most of your flavor, but I'm not everybody's flavor. But respect the leadership. Know their worth. So it says in verse 13, he says, esteem them very highly. Um, I, I read this commentary on this passage, and what it says is Paul is using a triple intensive adjective here. A triple intensive adjective. Esteem them very highly. I think about that. You know, in our country, in our culture, what do we esteem? Actors and celebrities. But, but where, where's the esteem for men who lead the body of Christ? And I'm not, ex- I'm not expecting that from the world. I'm expecting that from the church. Christians, you have to realize that this culture has an agenda against the gospel. If you watch a TV show or a movie where they are mocking your faith, turn it off. Do not give your ratings and your attention to that nonsense. If you're watching a movie where they mock your, a pastor and a leader, and, and by the way, and this is totally off topic, but please watch out for these, these uh, documentaries on Netflix. I watched one about Waco the other day. It was absolutely wrong. They don't even tell you the facts anymore. They don't, and they angle it. They always angle it, and you need to understand that. There's always an angle and agenda behind the document. They claim it's a documentary, and it's filled with lies. I was watching, I'm like, I said, that's not even what happened. What are they talking about? This happens on a regular basis because they want to angle you to believe according to their narrative. You got to get the facts. You got to get truth. Isaiah described the time in which truth would be cast into the streets. We're there right now. You gotta get knowledge in the word of God. You gotta have discernment of the Holy Spirit and you have to have pastors who aren't afraid to tell you what's nonsense and to tell you what's true. And then respect them and esteem them very highly. So number four, the people love the spiritual leaders. Five, number five, sorry. Number five, the people love. That's your job. Your job is to love your spiritual leaders. Here's what it says in verse 13. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. In love. Now, I've been waiting all week to say this from the stage. The Bible says, you got to love me. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Now, here's, that naturally happens because as you hear me preach, you're going to hear me talk about my life, and you're going to hear me talk about the scriptures from my point of view. And some of you, you will say this, even though it's not true, but I appreciate the sentiment. You'll say it like this. Pastor, I feel like I know you. And that's true to an extent. You kind of know of me because I'm preaching the word from my point of view. But you really don't know me, but it's part of the relationship that we build over time. And that's fine. That's healthy. That's good. In fact, that's a good thing for you to stay in one church, to have a pastor that oversees your life. I'm so thankful that I've had a pastor for 25 years. His name is Thomas Geyser. And I thank God he's been my pastor for 25 years. And he has shaped me, and he's been there every step of the way and supported me. And I wouldn't be who I am without him. How many of you love Pastor Geyser? Come on, let's give him a hand. Well, we're talking about him. How many of you love the fact that every time he shows up to preach, he's got another tattoo? How many of you love that? Part? I'm not there yet. I don't have, I'm not there yet. I don't know. All right, number six, the people follow their spiritual leaders and it results in peace. That's number six. The people follow 
They're spiritual leaders, and it results in peace. What did I say that we were? A family. Yeah, and sheep, but we're a family. A family of sheep. Somebody say, bah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're a family. Anybody ever been part of a family where the brothers and the sisters don't like each other at times? And what happens when brother hits sister? Sister runs to mom or dad. They hit me. And then dad and mom have to be like, okay, let's adjudicate here. What did you do first? Did you hit him? Well, yeah, but. Okay, you know, it goes like back and forth. And then today's modern technology, like, let's check the ring cam. Let's see how this went down. Let's watch. <laughs> but anyway, you got to have somebody that you can go to to adjudicate the conflict. So this is why he says at the end of verse 13, he says, be at peace among yourselves. You need, you need pastors so somebody hurts you in the church. And please, 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 again, it can't be a personality conflict. I, we don't have time for that. If you don't like their personality, avoid them. We got multiple services here. We got multiple locations. Move if you have to. <laughs> but if it's sin, well, then we can step in. Then we can talk about this. How did this go down? What happened? And so you need someone to adjudicate that. Now, I'll close with this passage. Hebrews chapter 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. This is the Bible speaking. Obey your leaders and submit to them. One of the best things that you can do for your faith, the book of Hebrews says, is to get into one church and stay committed to that church for as long as you're in that community. It's one of the best things you can do in your life. Because look what he says. They are keeping watch over your souls. I'm not here to watch over every part of your life at all. I don't even want to watch over your life. I'm here to watch over your soul. To make sure that you hear regularly the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth of God's word. To feed you the word of truth. And then he says, they will give an account. I have to give an account. Our elders have to give an account to God. So some people like to say, who's, who's Pastor Tim's accountability partner? God. Like, give me somebody better. Give, give me somebody who will put more fear in my heart that I better obey. I, there was a church recently that had a complete collapse, a total catastrophe. It was a church that I actually was envious of, if I'm honest with you, and I constantly compared myself to. Why, is, why are they so big and great? And now they have collapsed and they've closed their doors and the news is coming out and the heartbreaking stories that are coming out from people who trusted those pastors and leaders. And I think to myself, God, please let me never do that to these people. That's my accountability. That's what I take seriously about this job. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But I, I know I gotta give an account to God. Then he says, let them do this with joy. When you grumble and complain about your pastors, you're giving them agita. You're giving them, you know, problems in their, whole, their own spiritual life. I mean, don't do that. And then he says this, that would be no advantage to you. If you want to be blessed, listen and obey and submit. Now, again, we're not in the control business. This is not Waco. <laughs> this, is, this is not a cult. You come and go as you please. And I don't got no business with your life, really. I don't. But we're here to care for you in Christ to heal you in Jesus' name, and to feed you his word. And if you listen to it and submit to it and act on it, it will bless your life. So that's the message. Now let's talk about really big things. We got plans, and I'm going to do a video here to announce those plans, and I got good news for you. The plans are only going to cost us $3 million. 
So you're going to watch this video, and then I'm going to ask you to pay for it, okay? <laughs> really big things, 2020, three, three-year plan, $3 million. Let's watch and see what we're up to. So here's how Waters Church changed my life for the better. I quit drinking about four years ago, and I drank for probably 30 years. And a dear friend of mine invited me to Waters Church. I was just out of rehab, uh, drug, and alcohol addiction. I joined Waters Church five years ago after meeting Chris at the Providence Rescue Mission, me being uh, in the Providence Rescue Mission at the time. My husband was in late stage alcoholism. I was in an extreme deep depression, just a very dark place when I started coming. I lost my mom back in February. Many people at Waters were praying for comfort for me and my family, and God faithfully answered their prayers by getting me through. We were in debt and God showed us the right people to financial peace. I went to the church and they helped me get a place and a job. Shortly after that, I joined a women's group and these women have become lifetime friends. There's nothing more transformative for me than being in an environment with other Christians that are just trying to grow in their walk with Christ and stay committed to Him, especially in today's world. It kept me sober. It's kept me uh, out of addiction, troubles, destruction. Once I got baptized, there was no longer, uh, I was an alcoholic. That was just out the window. This was a whole new life for me. So I don't struggle with alcohol at all. And I probably would not be here today if it wasn't for Waters and all the amazing people that are here. Our lives have never been as good. It is truly a family that comes together. And I just wish everyone would uh, have a home like we have. Thank you, Waters Church. And I'm thankful for Waters for holding my family together when I couldn't. Our lives are transformed as a result. And I just want that transformation for everyone. I can't imagine my life without Waters Church. I have nothing but a sense of peace when I'm with my church family. And because of Waters, my life has definitely changed for the better. And I really would love to see that change for others. Today, we announce our plans to facilitate new births in Christ, to find the lost, and to do more than we ever thought possible. Hey, Waters Church, it's Jim Shackleton over here in Woonsocket. God always makes something out of nothing. He's done that from the beginning of all time, and that's exactly what he's done with us here in Woonsocket. Seven years ago, we weren't a location here. Six years ago, we launched the location of Waters Church here in Woonsocket. And ever since that time, we have seen God grow this church. God always grows, and God always makes something out of nothing. So we are looking for a new place, a new place to call home where we can see how God is gonna to continue to grow us here in Woonsocket. Waters Church, welcome Pastor Tom Duck to the team. He is our newest location pastor here in Apollo Beach, Florida, where Tom, the population is exploding and we wanna be ready to meet them with the message of Jesus. I mean, we're growing almost 80% a year at the church here alone. And we know that the influx of people from America and around the world is going to continue. And we want to have a place for them to worship. So we're looking for land or a facility that we can retrofit and create a gospel preaching church that's going to make sure that anybody who comes here knows there's a Savior who loves them and wants to save them. 
Amen. We have seen God move mightily throughout all our locations, but today we announce it's time to go even further. Hi, Wars Church. I'm so glad to come to you from beautiful South Carolina, where our next church location will be this year. This has been such an exciting year for Michelle, my wife, and I, as God has, has done so many things in our life in this past year and a half, not just for moving us out of New England, but, but different locations down south of, of where he was leading us to get to this point today. I'm pleased to tell you guys that we are now living in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, and this will be the location for our next Waters Church campus. If you don't know where Traveler's Rest is located, it's in the upstate part of South Carolina, just outside of Greenville, South Carolina. And this is a, a growing, growing area. And we know that we need to be in the place where people are going. That's where God is going to want us to bring the gospel. If you believe that God is stirring something in your heart, and maybe it's to move to South Carolina to Traveler's Rest and be a part of this campus that God is starting here through Waters Church. If that is you, be on the lookout. We are going to be have some interest meetings at our North Attleboro campus. So stay tuned for that. I, I hope some of you guys can come and hear more about what we're doing down here and get more information on how you can get involved. God bless, and I hope to see you soon. In addition to Traveler's Rest, we are actively looking to plant a church in Tennessee as both locations have seen a massive influx in migration from other areas of the U.S., specifically Gen Z. With more than a third of Gen Z identifying as non-religious, we recognize now more than ever the importance of a solid Christian foundation, not only in the church, but our schools as well. My name is Pauline Scott. Um, I've been working with kids for 35 years. I got into teaching because I noticed that kids were faced with many difficult decisions and I wanted to help them at an early age to be able to navigate life and making good choices. When I first got into teaching, it was amazing, actually. It was really amazing to see them grow and develop and just to be um, able to explore life. I think that um, a big significant change where I started to get very um, concerned was when about six years ago I had to go to a professional development and they told me that I had to not tell parents if a child wanted to be called by a different gender or a different name. Instead of calling the parents parents, they started to call them caregivers. So it, it, it kind of disconnected the parent from the student. One of the most important reasons we need a Christian school is because they took God out of the school. And ever since then, everything pretty much has declined. Academics have declined, suicide rates have been up, divorce rate has gone up, everything has gone up. And now we see it spiraling out of control even more. I mean, God says to train up a child in the way she should go. At a Christian school, we'll take the six hours that, that um, public schools are teaching how to live sinfully and be able to support what you're trying to do with what most parents have is two hours in the afternoon to be able to combat what sinful um, behaviors are being taught in school. I care so much about the kids, their future, their emo emotional stability, for them to be able to know who they are 
created to be. And I can see the destruction that happens to them throughout the day. To combat the war that is going on for the future of our children, Waters Church will be opening a school for first through sixth grade at our North Attleboro location. We are in a fight for faith like never before, and it's time to make even more disciples and plant churches across the nation to teach them the truth about Jesus and how God designed human beings to be. So today we call on our entire church body to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and to boldly step out in faith as we fight for the future together. How many know God can do really, really big things? Amen. So here's a passage of scripture I'm going to close with today, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. It says this, on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. Somebody say, store it up. As he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. I know how some of you think. You think, okay, he's going to tell us all these things he wants us to, us to do, and then he's going to ask us to start giving money to it. And that's not true. Today I'm going to do something different. We've never done this before. I'm going to ask you to do something totally new. I want you to save to give. I want you to save to give. So on the way out, at every location, we're gonna give you this card right here. We're gonna put this up on the screen, by the way. We're gonna give you this card, Impacting Our Future. It will also list our priorities. Next slide, guys. Permanent building for Woonsocket that we own, no more rent. Purchase land for Apollo Beach because of its growth. Traveler's Rest, South Carolina location, and a location in Tennessee. By the way, we already think we already have the uh, location faster for Tennessee, but we're not ready to tell you yet. And then a grade school, first to sixth grade, for now, here in North Attleboro. So save to give. What do I mean by that? Put this up on the screen. Next slide. I want you to start a 40-week saving plan. I want you to open up a second account. Now this, please, do not save money in your checking account. You can't. And do not save this money in your savings account. It won't work. On Monday morning, I want you to call your bank or go online or whatever you need to do to open up a new savings account. Usually banks will do this for free if you already have a relationship with them. And you take your money every, month, every week you get paid and put some money aside into that account. You're not bringing it to us yet. Put it in that savings account. Let it compound interest. You can, right now you can open up a 4.4% yield savings account because the interest rate is so high. So put it in the savings account. If you do $10 a week on February 18th, our 40th week, uh, you'll be able to give us $400 to this plan. If you save 30 a week, 1250 2000 100 4000 some of you, $200 a week, you could do that. You'll be able to put $8,000 into this thing. And you're not giving us the money. And we're going to do until two, two dates. The 30th week, which will be December 8th and 9th, and the 40th week, which will be February 18th. So save to give. It's what the Bible says to do, by the way. As you prosper... Put it aside, store it up, so that when it's time, you can all come in and give. And some of you, and this is my pastoral concern at every location, you're going to learn the power of saving personally. And I want to teach you through this process so that you can see how you can save and you can do more than you think and you can give more than you think if you make a plan. And then we're gonna teach you about money in December so that you can be in financial peace and strong in your relationship to money and not a slave to money. And I'm excited. We're gonna see 
amazing things happen. Hey, if we could open up three locations during COVID, we can do this after COVID because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine.